On Education is sponsored by Participate, a community learning platform where the world learns together. Later in the episode, we'll hear about one of Participate's partners, The Sandbox, and how you can get involved in its free community learning opportunities and live streams. Oh, wow. Who hurt you, Glenn? Who hurt you? Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss the huge news about Nearpod, the landing of the Mars rover, Glenn's hot take on a certain TikTok teacher, and our guests this week are educators and authors, Kristen and Joe Merrill. So tell me about you rage quitting FIFA, because <laughs> uh, you told me about it. You texted me. Um, but I want to hear, I want to hear what actually happened because I mean, first off, rage quitting isn't usually common. I assume with soccer games, Um, this one is, yeah, I think it might be common with FIFA. (laughs) Okay. Tell me what happened. Talk to me, Glenn. I think more than anything, I have spent an inordinate amount of time on FIFA I don't want to discuss how many hours because it's been way too many. Oh, I can um, just go look it up. I know that's what I'm saying. I don't want anyone okay, to know. I'm going to go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's some insane amount of hours. And I was like, why am I doing this? And I'm a, uh, I would say a below average player who wants to be an average player. <laughs> okay. And I'm just not that good. And I was like, <laughs> Mike's mouth just dropped open, but do not, don't say the number. Just, just the audience know Dude, that it's a, it's a large, it's a really high number. It's a large like that's, number that is, of hours. That is, that is at least three times what I was expecting. <laughs> so anyway, audience, uh, it is a gigantic Ooh. number. And I, and Glenn has thought, I don't even know how much I actually like the game. <laughs> That can't be a good thing. That can't be a good thing. I I find more moments where I'm angry than more moments that I'm happy. Mm. So I was like, why am I doing this? So I actually not only rage quit the game, but I uninstalled it. And and, and I'm not going to. And I, I, you know what else I did, Mike? Check out this. I got, I got crazy. I went onto my YouTube and I subscribe to all kinds of things, right? Just you know, video Did game you stuff. Did unsub, music. unsub to your FIFA? <laughs> I, to your FIFA I unsub to everything that had to do with FIFA. Uh, I've even, uh, I've even uh, now when the suggestions come up because they know that I watch certain videos, I go stop suggesting this to me. You know, I put on oh, everything. Wow, so, who hurt you, Glenn? Who hurt you? <laughs> it's it. It was more a realization of like, I should. I can play other things that I actually enjoy, have fun with, yeah. maybe, even, maybe even like, you know, like uh, Valheim or uh, uh, Stardew Valley, you know, where I'm like having fun and it's and it's and it's an Stardew enjoyable Valley's time. Happy too. You know, exactly. Like our farming game yeah. that we used to play where it just yeah. like you just sit there and you're listening to the music and you're just kind of, you know, you're you're enjoying the time in the space. And I found myself very aggravated and angry a lot and that's that's not a space i want to be in so no i, I games took aren't a, supposed to do that no and it games did do that to be yeah, it did do that yeah. to me and i already play a competitive game 
a very competitive yes. game in Hearthstone. And I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? I'm sure. playing two ultra competitive games of one of which I am below average. And that might be a stretch. I might be <laughs> way below average. Uh, and in the it, and it's not it's a game of uh, skill of joystick skill, you know, so I'm playing sure. against kids, you know. Uh, probably some seven or eight year old kid who's just destroying me and wiping and then, the floor with yeah you. yeah and then doing little celebrations and taunting me you know yeah, like you know to, nickname to is yeah. noob owner yeah, yeah yeah so i'm just like what what <laughs> what am i doing so anyway it's uninstalled and i'm and i'm so done with it you're moving uh, on with your life yeah. Yes, yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> I've been I, I've been playing. I bought a game called Dyson Sphere Program. Oh, and, what is and that? One? People should people should look this game up because it is it is the combination, the very cool combination of Satisfactory um, okay. and Factorio. Um, so it's like resource management and okay. and a management simulator. But it's also in space, so it's got mm. um, you can you can actually like go to other planets and create factories on other planets as well, and then have like interconnected trade networks between the planets and the in the systems. It's Ooh. pretty wild, and I'm I'm into it. So that's what I've been playing. So uh, so don't play FIFA, play <laughs> play Dyson Sphere program, play Valheim. It's pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And that's our that's our game update for the week. Yes. <laughs> uh, hey, if you haven't um, slid into Audrey Thornbrough's DMs, you mm. should. She is giving out stickers like crazy um, and mailing them off to folks. So yes. go look up Audrey on on the Twitters. Um, she passed a thousand followers this week. Oh, um, she's awesome. or last week, I guess. And uh, she's been she's been helping us out. We're trying to thank our previous guests and stuff by giving yes. them some stickers as well. Um, so this has been um, a lot of fun to see. Um, folks are starting to get them. Share them on Twitter when you get them. Tell us how much you like them. Show us where you put them. If you put them on your laptops or mm-hmm. your water bottles, I think Kathy. Chow Isaacs put it, hers on her water bottle um, right beside her Hello Kitty yes. um, sticker, which um, means that's how you know it's serious. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, thank you, everybody, for sharing uh, the stickers and, and yes. keep sharing because we love that. You have very <laughs> strong opinions on this, and and I, 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 I'm just in it for the, for the, the, the what is it, the schadenfreude? uh of it all um but but you know here's here's my so so okay let's set it up let's set it up set set the table glenn okay so there's a teacher i guess he's a teacher um and his name is samuel sleeves at least that's his name on on you know social media who knows if that's his real name it's at least his name on tiktok and twitter yeah and and he has a series of videos of which there was this one that was shared. Had, had a series of videos. <laughs> That's a different part of the story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he had a series of videos. And anyway, there was this one specific video that was shared. And actually it was just, someone just commented and said, why do this? You know, that's all their their question was. Why why share this kind of thing? Uh, there was a lot of commentary, and actually, it was in the millions of views. This video, this specific one, 
Um, and in the video, it's there's a little tag, a headline kind of thing that you can post over uh, TikTok videos, obviously, or whatever kind of videos. Uh, and it says, Gen Z kids having no knowledge of significant historical figures and events. And actually, I went to his TikTok, Mike, and he had several of these with this headline. So he had recorded all a, a series of these. And mm-hmm. he had recorded a series of other things, too, uh, from his classroom. There were so many levels of things that were wrong with it. But the part that really pissed me off was that he has these students in his class – yeah, and he's posting this, basically humiliating them. Uh, yep. Their their commentary, the kids' commentary, and he doesn't show their pictures, but he has their voices on there. Um, uh, and they're about in this case, you know, some World War II type of uh, historical figures and events, and so on and so forth. And I'm assuming he's a history or a social studies teacher of some sort. I'm not exactly sure. That's what they were discussing there. Um, and the kids are throwing out all kinds of different things, you know, uh, talking about Helen Keller and, you know, they weren't aware of who that person was and uh, D-Day and so on and so forth and several other things um, that were historical events. Uh, Nazis were kind of thrown out there also. Um, yeah. But anyway, it was a, a a video intended to basically say that not only does this whole generation have no knowledge of significant historical uh, figures and events, Generation Z, but specifically the kids in his class that he is in charge of to lift up. And, you know, we were talking about those those awesome, amazing um, actors and actresses that have played great teachers um, in our last episode. And, and this guy has the uh, amazing – we all do. The amazing job we have had that opportunity of being able to teach kids in front of us, and what a blessing that is. That's not a that's not something that you should just take lightly. And I hate people that do that. And he not only did that, but he's also basically burning them, making fun of their their lack supposedly of knowledge. Yeah. And I had several things about this. Number one, that's so messed up. You don't do that. And for a lot of reasons. But number one, you're in charge of these kids to lift their them up and who they actually are. And of course, it can be associated back, Mike, who these kids specifically are because they can figure out who this teacher is, where he teaches at, who the kids are in his class are not that hard to find out nowadays. Then you can figure out specifically who was talking in that video. You know, who are the people, the kids, the, the, the kids that are saying certain things. And then you have him, and the worst part, the part that infuriated me the most, Mike, is he looks at the camera on his phone several times, like looking at it, like they would say something, you know, that was wrong or whatever, and he'd look at it like, oh, I can't believe they don't know that. Can you believe these kids? You know, kind of something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, that's disgusting. You got your 80.5 million views uh, on that one video that I saw. Um but you know what else you got, dude? You got someone that is intent of making sure to report you to your administration and to at least have you checked out for like, I don't think any of that is appropriate as an educator. It's a violation of the kids' rights, you know? Mm-hmm. Did you ask them if you could go ahead and post this? I highly doubt that. And did you ask their parents if you could post this, like you burning them on social media? 
I highly doubt that they know that you did that also. Um, it, it just, to me, says, man, what a lack of character this person has. Mm-hmm. Who cares about the kids not knowing those those specific things? Like a lot of people were were caught up and fascinated by, I don't know who Helen Keller is. You know what? That's our job. That's your job, dude. You find out like where are they at? You know, as far as different things, and then you and you know this, Mike, because you're a history buff. You know, you know this, and you studied history, and you know about it. And the stories you draw people in with these amazing historical history events. is amazing. History yeah. is amazing, and you draw people into it, and they want to hear the stories. Right? Yeah. It's not about the 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 date or whatever it might be you can learn those things too and they're important but it's more about those stories and understanding the relationship of why Helen Keller was important it, and it continues to be important to this day and what events kind of how everything basically comes full circle and how you can tie them all together and they leave that class and not only do they know who that person is but they understand the significance of those things and that is your job not posting this crap on TikTok or wherever else and then getting a bunch of, you know, likes and followers and et cetera, whatever it might be on like, like, I think you posted something like this as far as on Twitter. And I, I definitely retweeted it on the backs of your kids, like basically yeah. using the humiliation of the kids so that you can become popular. Oh, yeah. man, dude, this, this jackass, this jackass <laughs> was clout chasing on Twitter. Oh. Or on, on on TikTok, trying to become TikTok famous mm. on the backs of students, like, like, yeah. And and I'm so happy that it backfired. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh. You know, on the TikTok videos. Well, first off, let's be clear: the TikTok videos are gone. So if you <laughs> want to go and look at them, they're not there anymore. You know what he did? He deleted them all. You know why he deleted them all? Because he knew he knew what he was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And when he got called out on his BS, he deleted them all because he was scared of what? Of losing his job. Yeah. Which, you know, he still might do anyways, because it's not like the videos are gone. They're on no, they're, they're on Twitter. And yeah. I, I, I was just tweeted by our friend Nick. That I, I don't know who Taylor Lorenz is, but she's got a blue check mark and two hundred and twenty thousand followers. Yeah. And she retweeted one of his dumbass videos um mm. and, and put him on blast for it. Good. Um so good, it's good. not like it's not like it's not like his trash is going anywhere. No. Um no, it's, there's it's always out a, there. It's the, a it's a yeah. classic lesson in digital citizenship, you know, something that he should you know, I could roll my eyes at you, dummy, for, yeah. you know, doing something so stupid. You know, I call out, Mike, and I've done it on this show in past episodes, like uh, like another adult on some yeah. sort of behavior, whatever it might be. And if that's what you want to do, you know, as far as on your TikTok, you want to call out other adults, then I, go ahead. You know, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, at least it's another adult. But the kids that you're in charge of and you're using it to make fun of them or say, you know, how how dumb they are, how they lack knowledge because they don't know a specific thing. Yeah. And, and in my commentary was this. When I was 
of a specific age for a long time. I was a freaking jerk in school. And if I knew a teacher, if I didn't respect the teacher, if I didn't respect you and you didn't yeah. You didn't earn my respect. Yeah. And not, not that you needed to, but I'm just saying I I this is the type of student that I was. I would intentionally say and do things that were the wrong answers and whatever it might be whether or not I knew the stuff because that's the behavior of an adolescent of of a kid. Yeah. This is yeah. this is so whether or not they knew the things or not, we don't even know that. He, the we do know though that he was sitting there recording a series of videos of these Gen Z kids having those knowledge of significant historical events. And what it did start to, and this is a super frustrating thing for all educators, is that you have people like this guy, and he posts this, and then guess what all the backlash of non-educators was when they saw this, Mike? They're like, that's why public education is horrible all teachers are terrible. The standards today are horrible. You know, so they're blaming. They put the blame then on the whole entire system and all of us for the supposed lack of knowledge of these kids. Which again, I don't even believe it that those kids yeah. did or didn't know. And if they did not know, what an amazing opportunity, Mike, to be able to say, "Hey, you know what? We've got we got a place to start at. We're going to start." at the beginning and we're going to and we're really going to draw you in and I'm going to make sure yeah. that by the time you leave my class whether or not whatever it might be you will not only understand who these people are and the events that happened but you'll feel passionate and drawn in to yeah. share that with someone else and go did you know yeah. this this actually happened yeah you'll this- go home and you'll say hey mom dad let me let me tell yes. you about Helen Keller yes Instead of my teacher made fun of me today because I didn't know about Helen Keller. Like this this dummy did everything wrong. So um I, I hope he learns his lesson. Yeah. Um I, yeah. I, I, I think he's in for a world of trouble. And yeah. um, you know, you know, we, we call it like we see it and yes. you know, there's a lot of other um uh, a lot of other great teachers on TikTok. Um, I I even I even hate the idea of it giving teacher TikTok a bad name because I've seen some really cool content from educators on TikTok who are doing and inspiring their kids using the platform that the kids want to be on. If if this guy doesn't think that his kids aren't going to see or hadn't seen those things, I mean, he should be ashamed of himself because they saw it. I mean, I have no doubt that they saw it. So let's um, you know, it's something else. Yeah. Hey. Let's move on um, yes. to talking about a couple <laughs> other other things because I think we could put this guy on blast all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a giant. In addition to being a giant history, I'm just a giant nerd all around. But <laughs> you know, space. You're a space is, nerd. I remember this. <laughs> is is also really really something. And I'll tell you, man, the things we can do. Mm. We flew to another planet with a car. That has a drone on it, for the record. Crazy. And then we dropped it down using cables, <laughs> just nice and softly on the ground. And then the thing that dropped it down just kind of flew away. <laughs> and 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 then and then in a couple weeks, friends, a little tiny helicopter is gonna just float out of that drone, out of that out of that car, mm. and and show you what it's show you what it sees and. 
you know, we did that on a planet 33 million miles away. Wow. Um, the things we can do make my head explode. Yeah. Um, it is astounding how smart people are to think, you know, we've we've done other crazy nut like I mean, we dropped a rover like a bouncy ball once mm. on 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 Mars. On Mars. You know, and we've done this little dropping with the carrier thing and the flying we we've done that twice now. Twice we've done this thing where we've dropped just gently landed a rover on a planet with a mm. little floaty um you know platform that just that 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 then just goes and flies away yeah and it's done its job it's just astounding and um i don't know if anyone related to anyone or anyone you know is involved in this that listens to our podcaster but congratulations for god's sakes oh my god yeah it's just it's an astounding accomplishment and i pray to god that i mean i i i need teachers to start playing this stuff in their class stop what you're doing and the next time one of those SpaceX t- tests comes up, play it. Yes. Stop what you're doing and watch it. You will Inspirational. Get, you will get a better use of... There is no better use of one hour of your time in your class mm. with your kids than showing them what's possible. Yeah. In almost every situation. Love that. Show them what's possible. Show them the future that they're going to live in and and that one day... You know, we are teaching the kids that are going to live on Mars. I've been saying this for a decade. We're t- this is the generation, my son's generation, my our kids, Glenn, yeah. are the kids. That's the generation that is going to live on Mars. That's insane. Just, and this Generation Z that that kid, that was that dumb teacher was making fun of, they yeah. are going to figure out all of those things yeah. and do amazing things there yeah and continue just the astounding what you were just describing they were just they were talking about just the complexity of the mathematics to make that actually happen mike as far as what you were describing just that setting that thing and then being able to go ahead and know exactly how to go ahead and launch this specific thing at the exact right angle at the exact right times and how to go ahead and basically create something that could land on, like you said, on a planet, (laughs) a different friggin' planet. On a a 20-minute delay, (laughs) you you can't fix things in space. No. It's already happened by the Mm. time you know about it. By the time you even know, yes. Oh, amazing and awesome every every piece there is no room for any mistakes in Mm. that and you know what i the the biggest takeaway is we spend our entire lives making mistakes so that that one time when we can't make a mistake we're ready for it yeah great point right yes spend spend your entire be make all of the mistakes friends teaching learning kids not kids whatever because you need to be when when you need to land a rover on mars and you can't screw it up Hmm. you need to be perfect make all the mistakes so that you're ready to to be perfect when you need to be perfect Hmm. um inspiring is you know it's is is an understatement for what what these folks are able to do and um it's super, super exciting. Love it. Um, Love it. 
Yeah, 100%. So we just heard some news. Like, this is like breaking news. I know. Uh, there will be people <laughs> listening to this where this might be the first time you've heard of this. Yes. But but Nearpod just got bought. Like, like they announced it basically like today in the mm. last couple of days. Um, Nearpod got bought by Renaissance Learning. I, I think it's bad. It's... I'm not... It's not, it's you know, you in particular have a pretty strong love affair with Nearpod and, yeah. and we know, we know people that work for Nearpod and we know people that work for Flocabulary, uh, that work for Nearpod now. And, um, I, I would love to, I, hopefully if you're listening and you work for Nearpod, you know, jump into my DMs cause I'd love to just talk to you about it. Yeah. But yeah. I imagine, especially those Flocab folks that worked for a really innovative small company that was doing some really cool stuff. I don't think I'm not sure they signed up to go and work for a, basically a company that's a made their way on, on testing. Um, that's just like, like they could have all the money in the world Renaissance. Yeah. And it seems like they do because they paid what? $650 million. $650 million. Yes. For, for <laughs> Um, listen, you can have all the money in the world, but if your values don't align with the company that you're working for, then, you know, the money doesn't matter. Um, in a lot of cases, it's why I love working for, you know, who I work for and working with the people I love working with is because, you know, I know at the end of the day, you know, that my values align and my goals and my ideas for, the way I see learning and teaching in the future of that, you know, aligns and yeah. um, so if people don't know Renaissance learning are the creators of a ton of different software and specifically assessments, but you, you, if you, in specific States, you may be familiar with something called the star tests, which are I, I, uh, quite a few States throughout the, the, uh, the U S use the star test as one of the assessments um and they that's part of their company and and uh yeah this is a it's kind of it's kind of freaky you know when you think about these companies that we like i like you said i i really love their pod <laughs> actually i said that today i think at a tweet i said somebody said what would you be doing or maybe it was yesterday if you weren't teaching, and I said working for an ed tech company I respect, like Nearpod, and I wouldn't be working for Nearpod anymore. I'd be working for Renaissance Learning, I guess, if I was, if I was doing yeah. that. And that could always happen. And we've talked about that before, you know, with Schoology when they got sure. purchased to by PowerSchool, and all of these companies. I guess that's there's always an exit strategy, right, Mike? I mean. Is there? Yeah, I you mean, know? I mean, all of these startups are looking to get, you know, you know, if you're a startup creator, you're looking yeah. to get bought. Okay. And and it's it's the disconnect between what the CEO and the CMO and the CFO of Nearpod are thinking and and the educators that are so passionately using their products are thinking. Yeah. And those are not the same thing. It's not, you know, you know, you know, you can be a Schoology ambassador and a Schoology, you know, passionate Schoology teacher. Yeah. Um, who who shared everything they loved about Schoology. Um, with all due respect, I mean, Jeremy Freeman was looking to get bought out. Um, yeah. and and you know, he was a startup CEO. And 
you know how you know he's a startup CEO? Because he's starting again. another company. <laughs> he's doing um, it again. <laughs> right, right. He's taking the money that he made from Schoology and doing it again. And it's not an education startup because he's not an educator. And it's not, it was, Schoology was just a startup, and yeah. a, a tech startup. It happened to be an ed tech startup, and it yeah. happened to develop a really passionate community around it. But to a lot of people, it was just another tech company. And and then it just got bought out. And this is, to be honest, this is just the way it is. Mm. Um, it's and, brutal, though. And it's, <laughs> you know, and then there's, and, but it's different. Depends on who it is and who's yeah. buying. And like, I mean, you know, just as much as we can say, you know, how, you know, and opinions vary, I suppose, but you know, power school buying Schoology didn't didn't turn out the best for some people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Renaissance Learning buying Nearpod, you know, who's to say? But for all of the ones we think are bad, there's, you know, Microsoft, you know, the most one of the most powerful tech companies on the planet buying Flipgrid and that turning out phenomenally. F- fantastic. Yes. Right? That actually so, did. That that is a good case. That's the best case scenario. You're right. Right. Is 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 the Flipgrid scenario. Cause some of us had a paid subscription to Flipgrid. I don't know if there's certain people who probably don't even remember this. But at the yeah, beginning it wasn't with Flip, free. Flipgrid was there was a free, like a little you could dabble in it. Yeah. And then there was a paid version of it. And yep. several of us we were like this is such a great tool. I'm buying the paid version. I'm going to have my classroom set up, et cetera, whatever it might be. And then when Microsoft purchased it, obviously now people that are getting in, now they just see Flipgrid as this free product. But it wasn't that uh, when it was that when it was at the beginning as far as the startup itself. It says here, Mike, that, that Nearpod is used by 1.2 million teachers across the world. And, in, and it's used in 75% of U.S. public school districts. Whew, that's that's pretty good saturation there. I mean, as far as... Yeah. And I don't blame you. I, I love the product. And I hope, you know, when, when big companies end up purchasing something, it just all depends upon, you know, uh, the details, you know how they decide to go ahead and move forward and what and what does that mean for the end uh user for the customers obviously for the educators and for their students you know Uh, could it turn out great yeah it could um but this is a testing company so we don't know anything (laughs) well we'll see we'll see how it all turns out um as of today Mm. uh the united states passed five hundred thousand deaths due to covid Mm. Canada, um, this week, last week, passed 21,000 deaths due to COVID. 500,000 is a big number. Yeah. Um, It's a big number, you know, no matter how you want to evaluate it. It's a lot of... um, You know, you can debate the politics. Uh, Anyone who's listened to this podcast knows where Glenn and I stand on, on the political side of this. Um, so I, I would suggest that a lot of those deaths probably could have been avoided. Yes. Regardless of that, it does not bring them back. No. And there are a lot of families without 
parents and there are a lot of kids without parents. There are a lot of parents without kids. Uh, a lot of schools and classes without teachers. Um, and there are a lot of um, missing, you know, Joe Biden, you know, says it so eloquently when he says that there's a lot of empty seats at tables. Mm. And such that's so that's the truth, it's, man. It's sad to think about. And I've been thinking about I've been thinking a lot the last couple of days and you know, especially the last couple hours as I was preparing to do the podcast uh, also about the the folks who are in the grocery stores and delivering things and working in I have two guys coming into my house every day to to work in my basement to yeah. their you know and and it's scary for us a little bit it's scary for them but you know um they need if if they don't keep working they need to work they don't feed their families and i feel i feel um the pressure of that a little bit like i could say i don't feel comfortable with you in my house anymore and come back in in may um when we think that this has died down a little bit but you know what do they do between now and may oh, exactly. um when they don't have anything they don't have any work and um i've been thinking a lot about the people who are sacrificing um so much all the time constantly and are probably just absolutely wiped mm -hmm. um with with exhaustion and stress and the pressure of of going to a job every day that they definitely do not feel safe doing mm. um and doing it because they know that they're needed um required um and you know and then and then i heard a song uh one of my favorite artists is is a guy named ben rector mm. and um i don't know why I had never heard this song until now, but um, the other day I heard it for the first time and I was like, oh my God, this is, this song was written in 2015, but it, all I could think about is, is these folks that yeah. are sacrificing everything, all of their, all they're, they're putting their families at risk to do a job that no one else wants to do. No. at a time when no one else wants to do it um and doing it because it's important mm -hmm. and they um they feel a sense of duty and honor even in stocking the grocery shelves and um i think that in in light of you know 500,000 folks lost in the united states 21,000 folks lost in canada that I, I think on behalf of our team, I wanted to say thank you to the folks that are, you know, doing those things. Yes. Um, and and working hard to keep food on shelves and, um, you know, fix people's houses and, and all of that stuff. I'm going to... We're going to play a song for you. I, we've never done this before, uh, and I wasn't sure exactly how to how to do it, but... 
we're gonna play this this Ben Rector song. Um, it's called "The Men That Drive Me Places."
We are building this virtual community of educators who share an interest in game design and teaching new skills. We will use this space to connect, collaborate, and innovate with Sandbox. That's Sebastian Bourget. He's the co-founder and chief operating officer at The Sandbox. This community is here to provide guidance, support, feedback, and suggestions on how to best use The Sandbox within the context of teaching and learning how to make video games. It allows also to connect experts and educators bringing together existing creators and members of the Sandbox game platform community with professional educators. The Sandbox community has grown into a vibrant space of 100 plus educators. How can you get involved? More to come later in the episode. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are thrilled to be joined by one of our favorite edu power couples uh the merrills are the authors of two books including the newest one uh flipgrid in the interactive class welcome to on education joe and Kristen merrill oh man we are so excited to be with you guys we just love you guys and we cannot hang out cannot cannot wait to hang out with you guys that was such a nice introduction too thank you Not bad for winging it, right? <laughs> nah, I don't know if you ever Mike, wing anything. <laughs> Mike is a pro. <laughs> so why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves to the audience if they've never heard of you or met you before. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourselves. All right. Well, my name's Kristen. I am currently a fourth grade teacher. Actually, I've only ever taught fourth grade. I'm going into, I think, my 14th or 15th year teaching. And I have kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything. I've been, you know, um, in a solitary room myself. I've co-taught. I've departmentalized this year. I have an interesting, um, I'm like a, I, since the beginning of the year, I've been, I don't know what they call it, concurrent. I, I don't know what the terminology mm-hmm. is. Um, but I have had a classroom of synchronous students online and then students in person. And then as the kids start to come back, they come back into my in-person class. So it's kind of like that um, continuous, like fluctual, um, return. So I've had that, that's been my job this year. Um, and I'm Joe, I'm a first grade teacher, but this year, like Kristen, (laughs) I'm also a kindergarten teacher. Apparently, um, we have the same situation. We have some students online, some in person. And, um, as the students are comfortable enough to come back to school, then, uh, they come back into our classroom, not the kindergartners, the kindergartners go back to kindergarten, but, um, we've, uh, had a collapse at kindergarten unit because there was only a couple of kids that were into that. And so um, we've taken them into our first grade class, which has actually worked out great because these kids are awesome. And I've already called dibs on them for next year. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's been it's been great. And um, I do also, like Kristen, have a co-teacher that I was working or am working with. And um, it's just been a blessing in disguise because, you know, with everything that's gone on for this past year, it's uh, it's been helpful to be able to toss ideas off of yet somebody else, too. Mm-hmm. So, mm. so. I have a weird question. It's kind of a, a relationship question. I think I asked you a version of this question the last time, but this one is a little bit more in depth. So let me set this up. My wife and I have taught at five different schools across three different states over the past 20 years. Um, and we're still trying to figure something out. How do you keep school and home life from blending into this mix um like do you guys have like a secret sauce a way to stop that from kind of coming back in or is it just 
inevitable that us couples that are that we're in the same space we just you know you can't help it but bring that work home yeah i think it's a little bit of both actually to be honest because you have to have that decompression from the day right like you know how like yes it's like we ask our kids how was your day right and so uh being able to decompress a little bit like that i think is really important um but we also are pretty good with leaving work at work and really trying to focus on on other things, you know, and try to be here in the moment with the kids and the boys. Mm. Um, and you know, that's really important to us because uh, time is very valuable. Well, so. we have also have a unique um, structure. I'm trying to think like it's been like this for a while, at least for me and, and for you. We have a, like a, a co-teacher at work. We have someone that we work really closely with. Yes. So I find that a lot of those ordinary, mundane, oh, that could have been an email or like those kinds of conversations we tend to have with the person that we work with, that we work more mm. closely with. So that when we come home, sometimes we'll decompress, but I would say more at home, our conversations are, I got this really rad week planned out. Listen to what I'm going to do. Let me bounce ideas off those kinds of conversations a little sure, more sure. than like, hey, you got report cards done. You know, those kinds of conversations <laughs> we tend to kind of leave at work because I think, but I think it's because we have someone that we talk to about those kinds of things. Mm. If we were all by ourselves, I think we might come home and tr- and those might spill over a little more. Gotcha. You two could dominate the social structure at your school, though, especially if like Joe <laughs> led the, the 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 clique on one side of the school and Kristen <laughs> the other side, and so then you could like you could like you could like be against each other, but on the same side you could be like spy. Oh, I'm like wrapping a whole mystery. Oh, I like to this. fly under the radar. Well, what's funny is that's kind of what our boys do. Like one's in fifth grade and one's in like in second, and they're on mm-hmm. different opposite sides of the building. And so, uh, especially the one that's in second grade, he thinks he runs the show. Uh, the other reason too, though, because we are in different levels, like he teaches six-year-olds. Uh, I can't be in a room with, like, I, I can't relate. We tried it once. We, we tried. I can't relate to everything all the time with them. Like, so sometimes those conversations we can't really have mm. either because our, our worlds are our so the same, worlds. but they're also so different. Yeah. And, yeah. and that might be, you know, part of it too. We kind of just I, talk about the ways they overlap. I can't teach kindergarten. We've talked about this because yeah. my wife's a my wife's a kindergarten teacher, and Joe and my wife have spent some time talking too. And like they they can talk to each other and tie, they speak the same language. Can't do it. Tried it. <laughs> I've got the jacket. I've got the memento. I'm good now. Uh, can't do it. It's no, tough, it definitely man. takes a different kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You were just describing concurrent teaching, uh, Kristen. Um, for those teachers out there struggling to reach their students in kind of these concurrent teaching situations or even distance learning still happening in a lot of different places, what are some strategies that have been affected for you guys to create those relationships with those students? Because I hear a lot now as an instructional coach from my teachers that it's impossible to do that. But I've also seen where a lot of people have had success, you know, um, creating that environment like they did in the face-to-face uh, environments that they're able still to do that in this kind of virtual or kind of a halfway in between, you know, a uh, situation, depending upon where you're at. What are, what are some of those strategies that you guys could share with our audience? So our situation is unique in the sense where our administration um, developed our classes so that way when the kids were um, coming back to school, they would just land back in our classroom, um, which is 
perfect because what it allowed us to do was it allowed us to create the culture and the classroom environment that you would normally have in a traditional setting, in an in-person setting. Um, and that way, when the kids did come back to school, they were already comfortable with everything. And so, mm. um, you know, we really try to plan for the digital side of it first and then back that into the classroom. And so that way, you know, it's the same experience on both sides of the lens. And um, like I said, it just made a really seamless experience for those kids who did eventually come back to school. Um, you know, they felt like they were already friends with everybody. There was no crossover there. And it was a really easy experience going from home back into the classroom. You know, and there's lots of other uh, platforms that we use that help that, like Flipgrid, for example. Um, you know, because then the kids are able to collaborate and connect with each other, see each other, in some cases without a mask on. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when they come when they come back to school and they see you with the mask, then that's a little bit different, you know, because we have to wear masks at school. Sure. But um, for the most part, you know, it's been a really easy experience just planning for the digital side and then backing that into the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think getting the kids involved in it too. Um, so in addition to like Flipgrid, like Teams, like there's a lot of programs. So at the beginning, you know, it really was like, okay, I'm the teacher. I've got to listen to you. I've got to listen to you. And I'm like literally wearing earpieces and but now we're to the point where the kids are allowed to talk and see each other. So if we're doing a conversation or we're doing something that needs, I will literally take that laptop and unplug it and set it on a desk and be like, all right, guys, here you go, go. And I put my kids in charge and the kids sitting at the table will sit and have the conversation or they'll flip the cards with oh, the kids or they'll interact awesome. with the kids and, and giving them that kind of ownership. Um, let them create the relationships with their classmates, you know, Mm -hmm. going into a team's call and having breakout rooms where the kids from home and the kids in person are sitting there talking together and doing things. So it's not, I'm the only relationship with the kids that they're building those relationships together, I think has really helped. That's awesome. So let's talk about the new book. Um, Mm -hmm. We last had you on um, uh, just over a year ago uh, when you released your first book. And so now you're back with Flipgrid in the interactive class. Um, tell us just a little bit about what you did differently in, in this book, other than obviously uh, a focus on Flipgrid. So uh, with this particular book, you know, anybody who's familiar with Flipgrid knows how quickly things evolve and change. And so um, we spent a lot of time working with the team at Flipgrid and trying to figure out what the best way to deliver this would be because we couldn't get it out fast enough before (laughs) something else changed, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that was our challenge was really trying to figure out, you know, what can we write about that's not going to already be out of date by the time it gets pressed. What are those foundational things that – really hold up yeah. Flipgrid is for what it is. So we had to get kind of clever with it. So you'll see, uh, I think probably even more QR codes in this one. Um, and the reason why is because then we have control to be able to keep that updated. So, you know, if you like, there's an example that you want to see that you're reading about, we now have the ability to keep that updated. So you just scan that QR code and you're going to see what the latest version of Flipgrid would look like. And so, so smart. you know, thinking out of the box, kind of like that, um, and we can't take credit for that. That was the Flipgrid guys that came up with that idea. But um, that that was probably the biggest challenge. Yeah, the original book is, book is more about like what it, the definition of what interactive learning is and how you can take that into your classroom and your lessons. This book is more like, okay, Flipgrid is interactive and everything about Flipgrid is interactive. So what are some of those pillars that Flipgrid stands on 
that you should have in your inner classroom. So there's um, a chapter on pedagogy, and then there's a chapter on um, global, learning. global learning. There's a chapter on digital citizenship. So some of those 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 pillars that Flipgrid stands on that we feel like should also be part of the interactive class, but then how they kind of like, what is interactive pedagogy? Like, what do we believe? Like, what is part of our pedagogy? Why do we want to have global learning? What kinds of things do we, you know, there's a whole chapter on social learning and social media and how we can integrate those things and why we should be integrating them. So it, it's a little bit, it is a little bit more hyper-focused on Flipgrid, but really the whole first half of it are those pillars and then just kind of loosely ties in how Flipgrid is related to those, those things. Yeah. And then of course the second half is all the lesson ideas. So I think there's 75 plus pages yeah. of lesson ideas. And I would say probably 85 to 90% of them all have lessons that are attached to them. Uh, meaning like they're like already in the Flipgrid disco library. So mm. you'd be able to like scan that QR code and find it and then Accessible. download it. Yeah. The teaching is the teaching, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. no matter no matter what changes with, like, the system or the user interface or whatever, which, I mean, Flipgrid is growing fast and, and is moving fast, um, and so many things are changing. But the teaching is the teaching, and um, that's, like, a, a solid thing to, to rest the ideas on, right? Yeah, like, the act of teaching the... You know, we always talk about the content that you teach doesn't really matter when it comes to interactive class, but the how you teach and those those concepts and those philosophies that you kind of want to keep in your in your head as you're planning anything with your students, um, those don't really change. You know, they yeah. don't. I mean, whether it's a platform that you've been using for ten years or that you just started using, you still want to ask yourself those same kinds of questions before you know evaluating whether you want to do it or not. So. Flipgrid has not even been out 10 years, I don't think. Maybe six, seven, eight, maybe eight, maybe eight years Flipgrid has been around. Um, there are lots of applications, lots of programs, lots of tools that teachers use that don't have books about them, that don't have... I want to use the word rabid, but they don't have activated communities of educators that are really, really into using their product like Flipgrid has. What is it about Flipgrid? Why um, does Flipgrid have such a loyal, passionate, um, you know, fan base? It maybe is a word yeah. enough you, you that it. enough that enough that you guys would like say, let's write a whole book. About how to use a tool that's only been around for, you know, less than 10 years um, to, to show you how great it is. What is it about Flipgrid? You hit it when you said community. You know, that community is what makes that program. And again, I'm going to go back to those pillars. That community is part and has been built to be that community, not because they love Flipgrid and they love pushing the green plus sign. It's because they believe in global learning. They believe in equity. They believe in digital, digital citizenship. And these are a lot of things that weren't really at the forefront. When I was a teacher, I didn't go to school and I wasn't taught digital equity. Mm -hmm. I wasn't taught um, how to be a global learner. And so these are, it was like kind of those concepts that you would talk about at conferences or you would hear, but they were kind of always swept under the rug. And then this platform comes out and it, with maybe not even realizing that it did, it embodied all of these things that people were mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, this was the thing I needed to teach that. No, 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 this was the thing I needed to teach that. This is what mm -hmm. I was looking to to fix this. And it and it kind of 
just brought all of these different people from all of these different places together, not even meaning to, because it was fixing whatever that one thing was that they were missing. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too, you know, it comes back to they always used to use the term amplify, right? And like just your your typical, you know, educator would let's just say tweet something about Flipgrid out there and then they would retweet it, but like before you knew it, you'd have 60 people, like in a matter of a couple of minutes that loved your tweet, right? And so I think it's just all a matter of like, this is, you know, this really cool tool that's super easy to use and any age can use it from, you know, pre-K up to like- yeah. And it's free. The university, and it's, it's free, right? And so, and they've done such a good job of making sure, like you said, you know, it's equitable. Um, and accessible as well. You know, like I, I have mm. a deaf student this year who who loves using it. And it's not for the reasons that you probably would think. She loves using it because she can use the ASL stickers that are in there. And, you know, she can show people she can, her sh sign. She can sign on them. That's and awesome. my, That's the so kids cool. in my class have taken a liking to learning sign language. And they're on yes. a mission now to try to figure out if they can learn sign language. Um, it's really cool because, and I didn't, I don't know much about it, and I, I need, I'm still learning more about it. But even the sign names that she gives them, which is really, really cool, they love that, and so they've kind of earned their sign names, which is really cool. And she always looks at me too, and goes, awesome. "Okay, Mr. that's Girl. what we were joking about earlier." Like we're like, "Okay," she like cracks jokes on there, but like think about this platform that you know allows a student who's deaf to communicate and joke with their classmates, but also lets a biology teacher, you know, allow students to, you know, report on data, but also allows kids to do math homework in kindergarten. Like it literally fills that gap for so many teachers. And, and like I said, I can't think of another platform that does all of that. That's free. Yeah. That does all of these different things. And we never thought we were going to write another book. Like this was not something, <laughs> but because it is, it does so many of those things and it embodies so much of what we believe in, in terms of interactive learning, people started coming and saying, like, when are you going to write Flipgrid in the interactive class? Like that's your tool. Like that's, that's your thing. And after so many times we looked at each other and thought, shoot, we have to write this book. Like people are gonna, <laughs> like they literally gave us the title of it. But I think the reason why it, it caught on as quickly as it did was because and this goes back to the very beginning, you know, with Flipgrid, is that you could limit the conversation as the educator to however short or long you wanted. And what that did was it prevented that talkative student who's always calling out in class to have the same amount of time to discuss their ideas as that shy and reluctant student in the back of the room. So essentially what you did was you took that shy and reluctant student in the back of the room and you moved them right to the front. And so now everybody's voice is the same time, is at the same distance, right? And there's the same amount of time to record. Um, and so it, it gave everybody that equal amount of, of playing time. And I think that when educators started catching on to that, they're like, whoa, this is powerful and this is something that I can use in my own classroom. You know the other thing that they did that we're talking, we were talking a little bit about this before in a different term, like in a different, yeah. completely different context, but they listen to educators. Mm -hmm. I don't know of another single app that I use paid for free that asks me on a regular basis what I need, what I don't like about it, what I want to change, and then does it. And yes. then comes up with these updates. Even if they on, don't like it. Even if they don't <laughs> like it, because there have been updates mm -hmm. and they're like, mm, you know, that listens to teachers. And, and so often I think teachers feel like they're not being listened to and that they're not being heard. And I think that too has something to do with it. The fact that they're trying to build, you know, obviously the, the best for everyone. So you're not always making everyone happy, but that, that responsiveness, which is again, part of that interactive framework, like, you know, that relational, what do you need? Like just, just today, someone wrote something about, Oh, I wish this would happen. And whoop, they, so they like, 
swooped in with like, oh, here, tell us what you want. Like, add it. They have a whole section on their, <laughs> you know, website just to put in comments of what you'd like to see the platform become. There's a lot of edtech products, and they have ambassadors, and they have people that support their products and tweet about it, whatever it might be. Um, but I actually, my, when Mike and I were speaking to them at a conference here in Minnesota, I mean, we said this to their faces, to Charlie, the guy who who created Flipgrid. We, we I was just telling them and a group of of the people that work there that they feel like the most authentic. Like even the people that support them, it's not just because of some kind of hype, you know, kind of like we're just building something up or an ad. It's like a big ad. It's like no, it's genuine passion for what it can do, what the product can do and what it has done for the, like what you were just describing there as far as for your students, what it's done as far as amplifying their voices or whatever it might be. So it's really the most authentic uh, group of p passionate people supporting an ed tech product, which that's a freaking home run. I mean, for the, for yeah, the majority I mean, it's of the just people like, who work there are teachers. Yes. A lot yeah. of them. I mean, the ones that come out to my head, they're in education. They've been in education. Yes. That's they, makes a they big difference love your story they want to hear your yeah. story they want to hear what, what you're doing with it that inspires them and the whole idea of where flipper even came from which is a conversation for another time but that in and of itself is a really cool story yeah. because i mean that was obviously like if you think about where that story started and where it is now not much has changed right it's all about students so mm -hmm. yeah so how can our listeners connect with both of you online and where can we go find your new book May, all right, well, we're at the Merrill's EDU and all platforms. TikTok included. Oh, stop it. He keeps saying this, but we're <laughs> slow slow start on TikTok. Um, when we don't dance or sing. So, um, Those just don't though, make it. Though I would there. pay to watch Joe dance. He did a funny little head one that, that was pretty pretty um, entertaining. <laughs> you but let more, me know. I'll amplify just, that. There you go, yeah. <laughs> More like little micro tips and like fun things there. Um, but on Twitter, on Instagram, um, Facebook. Yep, our website. Our website's at themerylsedu.com. It's two R's and two L's because? There's two of us. How good is that? How corny is that? I is love that? it. I love it. Um, yeah, so you can tell Joe. You can tell Joe came up with it because I did. She every drives her nuts. Time because he says, talk. "How time. good is that?" And she says, "How corny is that?" <laughs> Every time we'll be talking and like, why? I'm like, because there's two of us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you can reach out to us on any platform. We have a spot on our website. Just to, I'm surprised by how many people really do. I think we get more people reaching out to us on our website than we do on like social media platforms. But any, hmm. any, anywhere you can just message us, whether it's just how, how to get our book, which is on Amazon. Um, if anyone wants to um, order more than one copy. Like if you want to order for a school, contact us directly because we can um, get it much cheaper. But it's on Amazon. Both of them are on Amazon. Um, and yeah, so. We'll put all those links in the show notes so Perfect. that uh, people have all of the ways uh, to, to get in touch with you and to buy the book. Kristen and Joe Merrill, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you thank guys. You so much. We much. love being with you guys. The Sandbox is creating a learning ecosystem where educators can learn in weekly streams, bring ideas into their classrooms, collaborate with other educators, and become Sandbox ambassadors. Our goal for the stream is to show the world how low the barrier can be to teaching and learning game making through our no-code and accessible platform. 
Anyone can do it. Passion and education. You can feel it in the streams as we explore and share ideas around game design implementation in your teaching practice. Join the community to learn more at go.participate.com sandbox. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.